Monscope. Okay, live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Dr. Moti Nassani. Last name is spelled N-I-S-S-A-N-I. I had him on last month. We talked about an excellent book, which you can find on his website. Title of the book is Eight Billion Cheers for Direct Democracy. Direct Democracy is Humankind's Last, Best, and Only Hope. That was just published 2022-2023. And when I was looking at his website, I noticed that he had written another book that's available also on his website. Title of that is Encyclopedia of Domestic Assassination. So I recommend people can go to his website. I will put a link to it in my um in the show notes, the subtitle of the book is The U.S.-U.K. Smear, Harass, Blackmail, Bribe, Incarcerate, or Murder All Influential Dissidents. Um, so I think it's an important book because it lists so many of these people who've come forward and uh, met either character assassination or literal assassination. But uh, you can also listen to his bio in the earlier interview I did last month with him. But uh, I'm glad to have him back on the show. So Dr. Moti Nassani, welcome back to the show. And I'm likewise glad to be back on the show. Excellent. So for people who may not have heard our earlier show, can you kind of talk a little bit about your background and what led you to put together this encyclopedia of domestic assassinations? Well, my background is really an interdisciplinary. I just, uh, I, I have a, uh, degrees in psychology, philosophy, and genetics. And that's the kind of orientation that I have. I like uh, somehow, for some reason, I don't specialize, but I, I like to take a holistic view of everything. There are many other people uh, like me. The most famous one, perhaps, is Isaac Asimov, that wrote books about uh, about just about everything. Bertrand Russell. I'm not comparing myself to them, but that's uh, and that's the kind of thing that's missing in our society. But for whatever reason, I drifted in that direction. So I have academic publications on, uh, on cognitive psychology and uh, on animal behavior, on <laughs> on fruit flies, the genetics fruit flies, and many on the history of science and many other. Uh, uh, so they, if I have any strength, it's the ability to look at the entire picture and to put things together, which is not very common today. We live in a world of specialists. And uh, so, and how did I drift to politics? That's a long story, but it started, I had a PhD in genetics and I was working on something called recombinant DNA. And at a certain point, I realized that that is very bad for us. Uh, and I, I was, you know, I, I was going, I was a postdoc. I, but I certainly had a career ahead of me. But I I could not, I wanted to take a year off just to see if uh, uh, recombinant DNA or uh, genetic engineering or whatever it is, was a good thing or a bad thing. And from then on, I, I became very interested in politics. Of course, the conclusion was uh, that it was very bad for us, that we are playing God and we shouldn't do it. So I don't have any regrets of not doing it anymore. But that's how I drifted to, towards politics. I wrote a book about the Cold War, uh, the Russian-American Cold War, which is still ongoing, obviously. And uh, that's about it. And then I did a lot of, a lot of research in academic, uh, academic publications on many 
diverse topics. That's more or less my background. Right. And so then what kind of got your interest in this kind of assassination? I mean, there's been so many, you list many in your book of this kind of uh, phenomenon in the U.S. Of, of people wanting to kind of change the system or upgrade the system, really getting their lives ruined. I mean, can you kind of talk about why you got interested in that? Well, uh, at a certain point, I think I had a long time ago, I read an article by uh, Jim Garrison the district attorney of, uh, uh, of Louisiana who investigated the Kennedy assassination. And here and there, at a certain point, it dawned on me that these people, the people who control our lives, the people who rule us, are the oligarchs, the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, whoever they are, uh, are, are just murderers. Uh, they, they do not, they have a license to kill and they kill whoever standing the way. So I guess my initial impetus was simply outrage. I, I mean, I just, I just, you know, in the beginning, we have all been brainwashed to believe that uh, the United States or the, uh, the UK are free countries, democracies, and I believe this once, like most people. And then to be struck with the, with the certainty, I mean, not just struck with the certainty. Like if you read, for example, uh, Gene Garrison, that's by the way, that's the JFK movie by Oliver Stone is taken from him. But if you read the original interview that he had, I forgot what magazine it was, a long time ago, 50 years ago, there's no questions. If you just read that, and if you're open-minded, that's what the problem is for most people. They cannot believe that something like that could possibly true, and they've been indoctrinated with conspiracy theories and so on. But if you read his article, for example, one of the things that Garrison says uh, uh, is that, uh, let's see if I, I had a quote here in a book. Oh, here is what he's saying in 1967. Witnesses in this case, and I'm quoting Jim Garrison, do have a habit of dying at the most inconvenient times. Apart from being an idealist and a great a district attorney, he was also uh, a, a great sense of humor. I understand, he says, London insurance firm has prepared an actuarial, actuarial chart on the likelihood of 20 of the people involved in this case, the uh, JFK assassination, dying within three years of the assassination. And they found the odds 30 trillion to one, in other words, zero. But I'm sure NBC, CNN, wherever it is, uh, will shortly discover that one of my investigators bribed the computer. So that's more, more or less somewhere, somewhere along the line. Maybe I watched a JFK movie that got me. And what really motivated me and I know that I knew in advance a book like that is not going to be published by by Random House. You know, it's just that's the way it is. They control the the murderers control the publishing industry. Yeah. So I knew it's not published by. But I did publish it in something called the Greenville Greenville earlier version. Uh, that again nobody reads. But I just felt that something needs to be done. Somebody has to stand up and say enough. 
Now, I want to emphasize that a lot of people did it. I'm not, certainly not the first one. But, for example, uh, the last I've heard, there were 600 books written, written about the JFK assassination. So there's nothing new under the sun. But what my book does, first of all, it takes about 50 cases from the environmental movement, from Congress, from many other places, and put them all together and investigate each one and shows why it's reasonable to expect that each one of them was murdered. But even more so, so that's one, that's why it's called the encyclopedia. But even more so, I use my uh, scientific background to, uh, and statistical background to do a statistical analysis of the whole thing. And that can, again, it's a holistic uh, eagle's eye view rather than just look at a particular case. And when you do that, you are left, and people can read it in chapter one of the book. They've absolutely, uh, if DNA is the genetic material, if the sun rises tomorrow, then it's also true with equal certainty that the people who rule us are murderers, that they resort not to smearing, intimidation, blackmail, and when all else fails, they kill. Uh, they simply, it's absolutely, that statistical analysis, I think every open-minded scientist, uh, if, whoever they are, will have to acknowledge that the case is closed. That it's not, okay, uh, if you look, for example, I'll give you an example. JFK, I would say it's 99%. There's still an off chance that maybe he was not murdered. Uh, uh, Fred Hampton, 100%, because we know that the FBI moved in and a Black Panther moved in and killed him. So there are, but there are other, uh, other, uh, uh, cases where we, we, there is a high probability. But what the book does is look at it, uh, again, a, a bird's eye view of the whole thing. And it shows statistically, I'm not going to go into the details, but it shows statistically that that's the way it is. And it's absolutely uh, uh, the significance of this. Of course, uh, uh, it's very significant by itself, but it's not simply that. What happens in somebody like JFK or Walter Ruther, the, the uh, union leader, or the Wobblies, the uh, union members, or the Black Panthers, or whoever it is, in our democracy, American democracy, or British democracy, or the, the entire Anglosphere, by Anglosphere, I mean Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, they're all really controlled by the same people. So when, uh, when somebody like that comes along, like Martin Luther King, another example, they simply kill him. So, so the idea, uh, of reform is simply, uh, is simply not possible. If, uh, the 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 the, uh, the engine of reform is being snuffed out at at the beginning. So uh, uh, another another implication, uh, profound implication, uh, is uh, related is why for 200 years or more the United States there have been many reform movements. They all failed. Why? Because at a critical point, if they get too powerful. They kill the, they kill the, the, uh, the, the leaders of the reformists. 
or the spear them, or the put them in, in prison, whatever it is. Uh, so they the neutralize reform, them, right? They're neutralized one way or another. Neutralized one way or the other, illegally and immorally. So, and another implication, another implication of the whole thing is international relationship. Uh, we know now with almost, you know, I would say 97 probability that the United States and Norway and probably the UK as well blew up the pipeline uh, that connects Russia to Germany. Nord Stream. Nord Stream. Yes, exactly. And now you, you look at Germany. I mean, Germany, it's an act of war, not only against our so-called enemy, Russia. It's an act of war against Germany. And the most remarkable thing about Germany, uh, about the, uh, about the response, they say nothing. They absolutely say nothing. This is incredible. They, you blew up my pipeline. And so one partial explanation. Uh, I don't know if you remember or if you've heard, uh, in the past, many, uh, Charles de Gaulle, the CIA tried to kill him several times, the uh, French president. Why? Because he wanted to get out, out of NATO. Uh, Olof Palme was, uh, uh, the Swedish uh, prime minister was killed as well. Aldo Moro, uh, was killed as well. So that one provides, uh, the, the assassination, uh, fact. <laughs> Ask yourself. If oh, you know, so many. If you, uh, uh, you mentioned yeah, Olaf, Olaf Palme as well. Olaf Palme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, or, or Doug Hamushel, the, the Secretary General of the of the UN, and uh, uh, President Truman said, uh, "No, he was not. He did not. President Truman, he did not die in an accident. He was killed. Not that I said, I said killed." And we know now it's it's out in the open. It's uh, the book cover, uh, Doc Hamushel to the UN Secretary. So now going back to international relations, uh, if you are Schultz or if you are Macron, you already belong to them to begin with. They've been brainwashed. You you went to the uh, World Economic Forum, and they screen you out very carefully. But if you all of a sudden had a change of heart and you wanted to stand for your people, you know what happened to all Palmer. You know what happened to, you know that, uh, uh, and you know what happened to Rudolf Kote. You know what happened to all these people. So it's a question. Either on one hand, I'll be a multimillionaire, live comfortably, and everything will be fine for me. They will put, or on the other hand, my life will be in shambles. I'll probably get divorced. My children will think I'm an, I'm a bad person. So it's a very difficult, but so the assassination business. Uh, right. I think you write in your book, it's a choice between truth and comfort. It's an interesting, uh, interesting road to change because people say if you tell the truth, then you're in real trouble. But you can just yeah. lie and be comfortable for the rest of your life. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you lie, for example, uh, you, you remember the episode with uh, what's his name? The secretary uh, of power. OK, lying, bare lies to and causing a genocide of at least one million people in Iraqis. I don't know how many Americans died. Uh, destroying, totally destroying a, a country that is one of the ancient cradles of civilization. Did anything happen to power for lying, for brazen lies like that? No. no. You, you serve the bankers and the military industrial complex and you're safe. You can 
lie on their behalf. You can do whatever you want. On the other hand, if you are like, uh, like, um, uh, like JFK, uh, uh, RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, well, confronting them, your life is at risk. Uh, uh, they will smear you. People would think that you're horrible. Uh, we have a few friends that would not even, they are offended that Donna, my wife, quoted him. So that's the way it is. That's a choice between, and it's a very bad system. The last question that we have to ask ourselves, how long, and that's the uh, uh, Bob Marley's, the, the famous singer question, who was, by the way, assassinated, as you can see in the book, assassinated the CIA because he, he was the kind of guy, the kind of idealist who asked such questions and continue fighting even after they tried to assassinate him once. But he can't escape from the CIA. So the last question, our listeners, and we ourselves, and all of us have to ask, is Bob Marley's question. How long shall they kill our prophets while we stand, stand aside and look? How long? I mean, what's the matter with that? How do we allow? People know deep down that Kennedy was, JFK was murdered. How come nobody is saying anything? What happens to us? What happens to, to I mean, to outrage? I don't know. They're just setting the stage for, to make this stuff happen again. That's really what's going to happen. If people don't speak yeah. out against the crimes of the state, capital S state, you know. Um, no, and it's absolutely. And it's getting, the problem is it's getting worse by the day. Uh, the people who live in 19th century America, America were much freer than we are. They were, they were uh, uh, now, I mean, it's getting, it's steadily, we are moving to, to really, uh, uh, 1984. Well, I mean, it just, uh, it's for me, you know, I'm 75. So, so for me to see the decline of a country in my lifetime, from once you could criticize people, you could, you can, uh, there was some, I'm not saying it was, it never was what it should be, but it was, but we are gradually, and if we don't stop them, then it's the end of freedom. And, uh, as somebody who told you, who taught environmental biology for many years, it's also the end of us. They are destroying the planet. There's been no, uh, already, you know, they are, we are already dying of cancer, which is really a, a, an industrial. They're poisoning us. And poisoning that's not all, it. from all different angles. The most recent oh, shots were all poison, super poisonous. Yeah. And not stopping. No, like stop. Robert F. Kennedy is actually trying to throw like a spanner in the works, so to speak, a wrench in the works to try to stop it. But it's still going on. It's just immense corruption and evil and death. It's a murder, really. I mean, I think that there, the causality and causation is very easy to ascertain that these yeah. shots are going to cause children to die of heart problems and cancer and everything. So it's all of it. Autumn assassination, they have many tools in their toolbox. That for one of them is indoctrination. We are created to grave. We are being indoctrinated viciously in a, 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 a in, in to believe things that are not true. So when you when you're trying to talk to people, and I'm sure you have it in your own life, all of us, you try to tell people that uh, you know things are not what you believe they are. They are 
much more complicated and much more sinister. But the great majority, just like in Brave New World, the great majority of our fellow citizens, our fellow human beings, are locked into a mental prison. And as Aldous Huxley says someplace, they are in prison, but the walls of the prison are invisible. And that's the, the uh, so the, the other of us, well, we have some inkling really uh, on our own. Either we act, we can't wake up the majority. So either we act somehow, but it's an uphill battle. It doesn't look good for freedom. It doesn't look good for social. It starts, <clears throat> right, it starts with public school, public education's all been shaped. I mean, it's really uh, like a. Part of waking up is like, wow, the education I got was totally fake. I was totally, I was told that Oswald shot JFK. I mean, once other total myths. It's actually myth upon myth upon yeah. myth upon myth. They, they, by the way, a wonderful book, a wonderful book about education, how it deliberately declined, uh, declined, and uh, under uh, under the the influence of uh, JD, uh, the original Rockefeller. They took up, uh, he took up, he was really an evil genius. He was a murderer. Uh, he murdered many people, including presidential candidate Huey Long and many others. But he was at the same time a genius. I don't know if I could devise such plans. He took over the medical profession. He took over the, the, uh, the, the media. He took over the schools. Once upon a time, the a wonderful book, I forgot the, uh, uh, oh, Weapons of Mass, not Destruction, uh, a, a book about education by a, a, a prize-winning educator. It's cited in my other book. And uh, it shows how in the 19th century, American education was fantastic. And we had so many, uh, uh, so many innovators and how they took over the education, and now what the American education is geared for, and English education and French education, you name it, uh, uh, and probably Chinese education as well, what is geared for is assembly line worker, obedient citizens, soldiers, not critical thinkers, not people who love, uh, who love books, read books, who are curious about things. So that's that's another pillar of the of the uh, uh, edifice, uh, uh, education. And there are many other, the education, the media, part of the education. Okay, you go to school, you get brainwashed, you don't, you hate. For example, most most, uh, most of my students, you ask him, you ask him, why are you here? And can you guess why students go to college? Right, good question. I mean, it's a very good question. I mean, I had to relearn a lot of stuff myself. I, I, conventional education I was granted was, uh, there were huge gaps. I didn't know that it was so puppeteered. It really is incredible. Yeah. No critical thinking but, at all. No, no. But what the students are telling me, almost always, it's I'm not here to, because I'm curious, because I know to know more about the world. I'm here because it's provide me, provide me a leverage uh, to make money. That's how... That's how so the ancient Athenian uh, ideal of curiosity, uh, what happened in the, oh, uh, the, the book I was mentioning is by 
Gato, G-A-T-T-O. The deliberate dumbing down of America, or what is it, John Taylor Gato, right? Weapons of something, of mass, a very clever title. Weapon of mass education, maybe, I forgot. Weapons of mass instruction. Weapon of mass society, excellent, that's that's better. So so our our kids go to, to... uh, brainwash, and they're, they're, one of the points is to stifle their curiosity. You ask people, right. do you like math? No, I, I hate it. Do you like history? I mean, I hate it. But this is illogical. To dislike history is illogical. I mean, where is your language come from? It has uh, like the story of English. Well, well it goes back to the, the William the Conqueror and the amalgamation of German and French, right? So uh, everything about you is grounded in history. How can anyone hate history? Well, that's what the school does. It stifles stifle their curiosity and make them hate. And then they go on, they, then they, okay, the radio, the television, the, the computer world, uh, everything is, is geared, not everything, but for the most part is geared to put them in prison, to drags them into a cave of uh, illiteracy, political illiteracy, but also illiteracy overall. I mean, college-educated now uh, uh, people in the United States, maybe there are some exceptions, but for the most part, uh, they are not as well-educated as elementary school uh, students who graduated from eighth grade in elementary school a century ago. What happened? Well, it's uh, the, the genius behind all of it. Is uh, is the, uh, John Rockefeller? I have here a, 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 a quote that maybe people might want to think about. It's from Ida. Ida, I'm sorry, Ida Tarbell or Tarbell. I'm not Tarbell, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, she was Tarbell. a micro a micro and she wrote a book about the Standard Oil Company Rockefeller, uh, uh, what is now, I guess. Exxon or, uh, uh, anyway, she, here's what she says about that, that horrible person who, who uh, played more, more a role, more than anybody else in the history of the United States. Here's what she has to say. She calls him a living mummy, a mask and a steel grip, forever appearing into hidden places for money, always for money, planning in secret, to rest it away from his friends, never forgetting, never resting, never satisfied, blackmail and every other business, she means murder. Vice is the natural result of his peculiar business practices, she's being polite. Our national life is on every side distinctly poorer, uglier, meaner for the, fi- for the kind of influence J.D. Rockefeller's exercises, and that influence stays still with us, is uh, the last reincarnation that we are know of is David Rockefeller, who died a couple of years ago, and it's the same. It's the same person puts himself everywhere, uh, uh, and of course is in charge of the CIA. People don't realize it, but they're in charge of the CIA. The assassination court. So that's the way it is. It's a sad story.
It is. The, 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 the David and Nelson were involved in so many things. Nelson was in South America tinkering around with governments down there. It's incredible. Like they're, they're yeah. the breadth of their power. And people just say it's the CIA, but what's behind the CIA? It's people like John, John Rockefeller and Dulles and these characters, old line money, you know, uh, Anglo, Anglo-American power in the Anglosphere, right? So David Rockefeller oh, is incredible, much like his dad. He, like you even write in the book, I think it's like he didn't even want to become a politician. He wanted to puppeteer them. It's much more influential behind the scenes, a trilateral commission, all that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. He was offered to be a secretary of treasury or something by one of the presidents. And uh, and he uh, declined because he's, <laughs> why, should I, why should I work for you? You're working for me. You got it. Right. Got it. It's a step down. It was a step down for him. Absolutely. So I don't commission. Got so many other, so many other uh, um, enterprises. That's the, uh, another example. Okay, uh, of the, the kind of how immersed we are in lies. They're telling us that the richest man in the world is, I don't know who it is now, Bill Gates maybe, or Warren Buffett. That's a lie. Uh, what happened to the Rockefeller? They have trillions. What happened to the Rothschilds? They've been accumulating now gold and whatever else for their trillionaires. They, it's almost certain that they're the richest, but they have such power. They control the media. So if you ask, you go around and make a survey, you ask 100 Americans, who is the richest man in the world? None will say, except well, people like us, uh, but none will say it's Rockefeller or, or, or Rothschild. They will give you some kind of Bill Gates who's really a lieutenant of the Rockefeller. Yeah. He's working for them. He was created by them. He's not a genius at all. He was, he was carefully screened. He was given... Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, uh, billions of dollars it's, and it's a certain amount of power, but he's not where the power resides. He's serving, or George Soros, or uh, uh, Warren Buffett, or all these guys are not independent. They are working for the trillionaires who control our lives. The descendants of that wonderful John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller, right. Son of a snake oil salesman. I think the whole Bush enterprise is actually a front for the Rockefellers. That's how they derive their power. So, through, through uh, John, David. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, and also the King of England, they always say he doesn't have that much money, but he owns all the land of the entire Commonwealth, and all those people do what he's, exactly what he says. So, those are the real power. They don't have to express themselves. Um, but yeah, so I think that anything that if you want change and those people are up against you, you they have a, I think that they actually have it down to a science, this whole gang stalking, and now they've added technology. So there's all kinds of means and ways to uh, destroy people. I mean, get them out. They, people last one term in Congress or something like that are gone. Cynthia McKinney, she got the she got the uh, she got the works done on her, didn't she? Still there. Yeah, also, Dino yeah. McKinney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, I have actually in the book a quote by her. Of course, she is. She kicked out. Tulsi Gabbard kicked out. Uh, yeah. Dennis Pucinich kicked out. I mean, oh. that's the way it is. And it's not only the United States. Uh, now they have a new tactic. Now a, a president overseas they don't like, they simply put him in prison. Uh, Lula of Brazil. Uh, the pre, uh, president of Peru, a nice guy, 
is sitting in prison. That's why they have so many rights in, in Brazil. They always come up with, right now in Georgia, I don't know what, why they don't like the Georgia government, but it's clearly a color revolution again. So they have the, the arsenal is so clever and so impressive and so vicious that yeah. it's just beyond. But th- th- let me give you, uh, I don't know, are we getting close to the end? No, we have as much time as you want. Okay, uh, here's uh, uh, Cynthia McKinney uh, quoting in my book. The United States has had authentic servant leaders on the national level, and many of them were targeted for assassination by the state. I repeat, that's a, a, an ex-congresswoman. Many of them were targeted for assassination by the state. Those of us who try and inject love, vision, compassion, and common sense into the political discourse are quickly discredited, chewed up, and expectorated, spread out. And that's what happened to her. That's what happened to, and she's lucky. She's, she's really lucky. I think now she's teaching someplace in Bangladesh or something in a, in a college. Uh, but she's lucky because she's still intact and she escaped. Dennis Kucinich, oh, Dennis Kucinich, First of all, was they kicked him out of Congress with the media. And, but before that, when he was a mayor of Cleveland, he himself said that there were several assassination, assassination attempts against him. So it's universal. Oh, really? Wow, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, we'll look it up in the book. Look at Sinich and you'll find him. Uh, according to him, there were several assassinations. When he was mayor in Cleveland, then it became congressman. So that's another way. Uh, uh, I read someplace that if you outspend your opponent, even you're running for election, five to one, then you're sure to win. Now, the Rockefellers can outspend anybody, right? So, uh, so the whole thing, that's another pillar of the, the election. It's a fraud. It's not an election. First of all, to rig the election, that's another fraud. But apart from that, apart from that, they buy the politician. Every, not every. Uh, uh, there are a few, a few courageous. Still, even now, I think there are a couple that show signs of courage. But overall, they buy the politician and then make sure that their candidate, if something, someone like Kucinich or Tulsi Gabbard comes along, they make sure to, to make sure they never win. They just outspend them by God knows how much. And that's the way it is. Also, uh, that's the way it is. How? The, the main question, the one that I'm most concerned about, how do we stop them? How do we, is it possible to stop them? Uh, uh, the majority are not on our side. So, uh, uh, because they've been brainwashed, they would be on our side if they let us talk to them, but they don't. Uh, they shut off and, uh, you know, conspiracy theories. I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, I hear it all the time. I just heard it today. I mean, I heard uh, Chuck Schumer calling people a conspiracy theorist on the January 6th. I mean, whenever whenever they use that term, it's always I feel like they lost. Like it's such a joke. But and you know who invented it? CIA. Yeah. After JFK, right? To discredit people like Jim Garrison who said, you killed President Kennedy. So, oh, but the whole thing is just uh, that, you know, in the cover of the, of the book, I have the Kennedy brothers. 
and I have the Grachi bottles. And the point is, the, the, the point, first of all, that history doesn't repeat itself, as Mark Twain allegedly said, but it rhymes. Here's two brothers who fought for the, for the common people in Rome, and both of them were mur- murdered. Uh, they were actually trying to save Rome the, the, uh, from itself, and they were murdered. And then here, two brothers again, uh, 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 United States, the Kennedy brothers, again murdered. So it's kind of, it's kind of strange that, that history repeats itself. But that, the point I was going to make, that, I mean, it's ridiculous. When I was, when I was in high school, we read Julius Caesar. Now, the all, have you read it? Read by Shakespeare? Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Julius Caesar. Yeah, I can quote it actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm as constant as the North Star, of whose fine and resting quality there is no fellow in the firmament. That's like what he said before stabbed him. Sorry. That's wonderful. Uh, Really, I'm impressed. But the whole thing is a conspiracy. I mean, how can you? How can anyone in his right mind who who has a, a a grain of critical thinking, believe that conspiracies don't happen. That they can dismiss some somebody by telling him you're a conspiracy. Well, there's no, like conspiratorial actions all throughout Shakespeare, by the way. Almost every one yeah. of his plays has some kind of conspiracy going on, whether it's Henry V, Richard III, History. all that stuff. Yeah. History is full of conspiracies. Yeah. Macbeth, you know, it just goes on and on. It goes on and on, but but here I would not think it's possible to brainwash people to dismiss anybody who tells them there's been a conspiracy. But it works, and I, I've I've encountered it quite a few times. Oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist, including from relatives. You're just a conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy. Oh, <laughs> oh, why don't you talk about about what I'm saying? Okay, uh, did they? You know, it could be the A, the CIA and the FBI murdered President Kennedy. B, they didn't. Okay, let's explore it and let's look at it. But to say I refuse to look at what you're saying, this is, you know, but it's part of human nature. I, that's why I studied cognitive psychology. Uh, and I studied exactly that, the refusal to, to the, the inability to let go of convictions. And there are many historical examples. For example, Bertrand Russell uh, tells the story of Galileo. And uh, now, the, according to the Bible, there are seven heavenly bodies, uh, planets. And uh, so Galileo took his telescope and looked at Jupiter. And lo and behold, he saw a few more heavenly bodies, the moons of Jupiter. Now, I don't know, there are more than 20 by now. But at the time, with his limited telescope, he could clearly see. So he asked a few of his uh, uh, fellow scholars, look. They refused to look. They refused to look at his telescope. Why? Because it cannot possibly be. The Bible said that there are only seven. So what are you talking about? I refuse to look at it. That's what's happening to to. To all of us, that's that's a tragedy of that's I guess it's human nature or human nature is it's constituted by 
by the powers that be. That's what they made us into be. So that most people, most people are not. And even if, even if you force them to listen to you, that was my experiment. Uh, my, my wife and I experiment. Even if you force them to listen to you, and I did an experiment with, uh, uh, with many scientists which published in an academic journal. But no, I think you can even find it in Wikipedia. Uh, uh, even if you force them to listen to you, they still don't let go of their conviction. So one of the, one of our problems, unfortunately, is also uh, human nature. We are not as rational and compassionate as we think we are. Right, or as independent thinking. People like to think of themselves as independent thinkers, but they're really not. They've been conditioned over and over again so many, on so many different subjects. The foods they Absolutely. eat, the things they like, it's, a lot of it's done by conditioning. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty remarkable. It's, <clears throat> it's a tragedy that we have our endowed with sentience. We are endowed with the potential for sentience. Human beings, but so many of us, and you know, I've I've been interacting with some um, first-class scientists, uh, people with uh, scientifically uh, much better than I was, and creative, innovative. But you take those guys out of the specialty, and you talk to them about politics or psychology, they are as ignorant and as close-minded, at least in my experience, as I've known a few of them, as the average person. Uh, here's a guy that, that a candidate for Nobel Prize in genetics, and he's totally ignorant. He was, uh, that guy was, uh, was raised Jewish. So I, I, I told him, look, the, the, uh, what the Israelis are doing to, to the Palestinians is just horrible. No. Uh, he was offended, not only that, uh, he was offended by the fact that I told him that we are all brothers and sisters and we should all, should treat everyone equally. And I can go on with many other. So it's another enemy of, of, of humanity, of the intellect is specializations. You have, you have somebody who's a great chess, chess grandmaster, but they didn't, uh, Gasparov, but otherwise than that, he's an idiot. Uh, you have a great scientist who comes up with such, uh, so we have a lot of, uh, a lot of things stacked up against us. And I, I, frankly, I don't think we're going to make it. I think that it's, I hope we, we do. I hope somehow, some, what we need almost a miracle for us to, to, to survive. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming to a head. It seems like this, the fact that they've gotten away with so many deaths and murders. You know, I mean, it really is close to like we're in a Roman Empire kind of situation where it's just calcified into more deaths, more wars. I mean, this we're on the precipice right now in Russia, Ukraine. So, so they, you know, they can get their way. If people want to yeah. uh, dissent to that, they, they, the likelihood of them getting killed by some loan nut or whatever is uh you know that option by by the powers that be is still on the table i mean it's really yeah yeah I, I absolutely agree with you well, well the the parallel with the roman empire with other persian empire whatever it is uh it's very very suggestive but there's one major difference science 
and technology in the meantime advanced by leaps and bounds. So now we are in a position, uh, first of all, to kill millions, to kill billions of people. And we are also in a position to destroy the life support system of the biosphere. So that it's the same mentality, the same chimpanzee mentality that afflicted Alexander, so-called great, that afflicted the, the people who murdered the Gracchi brothers. It's the same the same neural mentality, uh, the same lack of compassion, the same love of power and riches. But now the danger, in my opinion, is much, much greater because now these people, the Rockefellers and the like, have many, <coughs> many weapons. Uh, the artificial intelligence, Stephen Hawking says, that could bring our end. Uh, they have uh, uh, genetic engineering. Um, Nassim uh, Taylor said that could bring our hand. And so the nuclear war, some other people, some experts uh, say that could bring our hand. We're not saying they twirl. So we have many, unlike the Romans, the Romans, okay, they went out and the planet was still in the biosphere and the elephants and the chimpanzees, everything was okay still. But now, now it's a different story. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's uh, perilous times. There's no question about it. Perilous times for anybody, especially when things are going this bad, too. People who want to change, they have to always be aware of, like, this could be the outcome for you. If you're complaining or you want to actually facilitate real change, you have to look at the history of the United States, the actual real authentic history, and look at how many people yeah. could have changed. I mean, Huey Long was a incredible loss. All he really wanted was just a little bit more. He wasn't a communist. He just wanted people to have a little bit more money. Nope, they had to get rid of him. I mean, it's really yeah. terrible. Uh, no, absolutely. Yep. Long is, is one of the earlier tragedies. He was a presidential candidate, and he jailed. It was a Rockefeller business. He jailed when he, when he was a governor of Louisiana. He jailed, confront, and actually won victories against the Rockefellers. So they have a long memory. They could not get rid of him. And he was running for president and he might have won. There were millions and millions of people. It was called, his program was called Share the Wealth Program. And he, uh, one of his speeches, he says, look, we are sitting at a table and uh, some people, I forgot exactly how it works, it's in a book too, but uh, some people are, are, are hungry and some other people are <laughs> walling. Why don't we, I'm not communists at all, but let's share the wealth a little bit. We can, and it's true, we can have, we can eliminate poverty, not only in the United States, but in the world. We can eliminate poverty. We can eliminate so many hunger. We can eliminate, why don't we do it? That was his, uh, uh, his, uh, Thing. Also, also, he was talking about Paraguay, where Rockefellers organized a war between, I think, Paraguay and I forgot the, the Chaco war. Uh, I forgot between who was there on his side, Uruguay maybe. But uh, they organized because they want because they, one country would not let them get away with with what they wanted to do. So yeah, it's terrible. Uh, uh, and the worst thing is that we cannot, you know, we cannot wake up our fellow citizens or fellow human beings are all immersed in some kind of, they're inside a cave 
or uh, in Huxley's Invisible. What was it the Ultimate Revolution or whatever? Wasn't that it? They're narcotized. They're watching TV. Yeah, I mean, they're in a kind of a hypno state, actually. Some of these people, they would never admit yeah, it to themselves. Like, but you know. uh, another book that uh, that really described this in some ways better than Huxley. It's after uh, Huxley and is called. Uh, you might want to put it on your reading list. It's called This. Perf- I'll send it to you. This Perfect Day by R. Levin. And he described a very similar computer control. Uh, the people believe they computer control, but behind the computers are the programmers who are controlling the world. And people are die at age 62. Uh, they are brainwashed to beyond. Uh, if somebody starts waking up, his mother hands him over to the authority. That's the kind of world that, that uh, yeah, it's very similar to Huxley. But I think it's from the literary point of view, it's probably better. I eleven. Right. I eleven. Uh, this perfect day. Yeah, he's written some great books. Rosemary's Baby, Boys from Brazil, Stepford Wives. So he kind of had. Uh, he was uh, much more influential, I guess. Like might be the Michael Crichton of his era. Unrecognized. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. But I think that his best one. Yeah, I like the Boys from Brazil. It's very, very good. Uh, but I think his best one, uh, and it's also. It's like a thriller. It's written in a way that is just. But anyway, again, uh, what happens in that book is uh, the uh, chef, the, the the protagonist, the main protagonist. He realizes it's he tries to to wake up people. and realize it's possible. So he single-mindedly destroys the system without. He has some help from some island who is still still not under the control. But he's single-mindedly destroyed and killed the the main programmer who is uh so maybe that's that's the way to uh proceed, to go ahead, is to for us individually to figure out because if we get into into uh if we create a group of revolutionary cells, one of them, at least, would be an informer. Um, uh, another fantastic book is, is uh, uh, the, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress by, you know that? Yeah, isn't that uh, it's uh, the guy what? Heinlein? Is that a Heinlein book? Heinlein. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, there, uh, according to Highland, uh, the point is that if you have more than two or three people in a revolutionary cell, that's it. It's gonna be it's gonna be infiltrated. And uh, we know from experience uh, when Fred Hampton was murdered by the FBI, he was before. I don't know why they needed to do it, but before he was murdered, there was. An informer put some sleeping pills, so he was asleep when they killed him. Uh, Martin Luther King, one of his most trusted, uh, a black man, uh, an African American, one of his most trusted people was, uh, his photographer was an informer, and it goes down the line. So it's another problem uh, that it's almost impossible. If you want to create a revolutionary movement, you can't do it anymore. They will, 
there will, I'm sure the Occupy movement was full. Uh, oh, the oh. January 6th people, all of them, there were, the, it was full of infiltrators. The heads of some of those people were, were informants. Like the head of the Proud Boys was a literal, literal FBI informant. So the people running it were being puppeteered or being, you know, exactly. selling out each other. So it's incredible. The same, same thing that comes to mind with Gretchen Whitmer, like there were 16 people and eight of them, eight of them were informants. Like, holy smokes. It's unbelievable. Oh, I, I lost you. But, okay. Uh, Sorry. Can you? Yeah, I was just saying that Gretchen Whit- Whitmer, um, situation that happened in Michigan when they arrested the 16 people, like eight of them were FBI informants. They were being yeah. puppeteered by the FBI. So. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I was, I'm a formerly a Michigan resident, and I, to my great disappointment, I keep getting emails from that, from, uh, from that lady, <laughs> governor of Michigan. But that's the way it is. It's across the board. They infiltrate everything. So uh, maybe the only way of doing it is one or two people and doing something. I don't know exactly what, but uh, but it looks very, again, it doesn't, uh, optimism is not called for in our situation. Maybe we'll prevail. I, I think that prevail. I think that people are being aware that they're in, like at least in my kind of circles, they're aware that they're being totally lied to, puppeteered, and they're trying to kind of angle themselves out. That's why there's a growing alternate media, which is probably kind of infiltrated too. I've got my suspicions. But they have, at least they're talking and sharing information differently and getting out of this huge kind of corporate media environment. No, People that I know don't watch TV anymore. They're thinking about getting back to the land. Like the whole system itself, um, it's kind of like let the, let the fruit on the vine desiccate by itself. Like if people can grow their own food and drink their own water like some of the reliance upon this kind of uh you know pyramidal evil system is uh lessened i mean they can still come and get you but yeah yeah absolutely right there is some some uh, some there is some uh uh some some hope with these kind of people who realize we don't watch television for example i mean television is really uh from on so many levels we don't let but i don't know too many uh, if that became a movement, if people moved away from from all that, if they send their kids to private schools uh, of the different kind, yeah, then then there might be, and maybe uh, my hope is that these people are pushing so far, they are pushing us to the point yeah. where it's difficult. I mean, they, apart from murder, I mean, they are telling us all kind of stories. The, uh, when a disaster happens, like East Palestine uh, recently, they, I mean, they have money for Ukraine, but they don't, I mean, maybe now right. they change their mind after, but they don't, I mean, this is the disaster, and it, I mean, I guarantee you that the only decent thing to do when it happens is to get these people out. You cannot live in that place anymore. This is just uh, absolutely calls for evacuation, but they send them back Right away, there will be many cancers, many sick oh. people in East Palestine and vicinity. So maybe, no maybe doubt. that's they are pushing so far. They are giving hundred billion to Ukraine, while the United States has, uh, I don't know, uh, almost a million people officially uh, homeless. How could that be? How can you give money to Nazis 
to pursue your, your world domination. It's incredible. It's incredible. Maybe, it's incredible. Maybe, the average what half, half of Americans cannot afford a five hundred dollar bill, and you're sending money exactly. away, and you're destroying the whole economy. I mean, it's incredible. Like the entire political class in the United States is a joke. I mean, both parties. Yeah, like and, if people uh, can't uh, see the duopoly or the uniparty's power, I feel sorry for them. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still remember. Yeah, it's exactly du- duopoly. It's it's really a one party. Um, yeah, it's a uniparty. It's, like, it's a uniparty. Party. It's the only party, uh, and people, do, uh, but most people don't see it. Most people believe, you know. Uh, I remember 20 years ago, I think Ralph Nader was running. So I told my friends and family, I'm voting for Ralph Nader. Said, but you're losing your vote. What kind of a loss is it? I have another colleague of mine, uh, a, a professor, and he spent he spent hundreds of hours. Campaigning for John Kerry. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, John Kerry was, as far as I know, I'm not sure, but Skull and Bones, and his opponent, George W. Bush, whoever it was, was also Skulls and Bones. I mean, what's the difference? It's a uniparty, and people, uh, uh, again, I don't think, but maybe the ray of hope, like you're saying, maybe people are beginning to wake up because they are being pushed too hard. Economically yeah, speaking, yeah. too. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a new generation that's like exchanging information that are on podcasts. I mean, this whole censorship thing that went through really woke people up to the tyranny of the government, like realizing that the government's puppeteering these uh, tech companies to stifle First Amendment rights. Like people, people should be terrified that that happened. I mean, this is a tyranny of the Biden administration too, so-called kind of liberal which is a total joke, totally doesn't apply to Biden. But I think a lot of people uh, and, realize that it's not good. The situation is not good. And, but again, you must give them credit. I mean, they come up with like the transgender uh, nonsense. And I'm not, you know, if you want to, but uh, uh, they, they, make up, they uh, make up issues that are really tangential, that are really not important. And the people are full of uh, abortion. Now, whichever side, I can see both sides of, of the issue, but and I, I'm, I myself think that the woman should have a right, but it's really, in a grand scheme of things, it's peripheral, uh, and they feel people, uh, you know, they, I think they're putting people in prison if they if they disagree with them. I mean, it's 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 shocking. Another hope, another hope. Uh, I would listen to Catherine Austin Fitz, and. She says another hope is secession. Maybe Texas, I don't know if they will agree to it, Texas or the state where she lives in, Tennessee, if we can just break up the country, uh, we have nothing to lose. I mean, it, the federal government is so very powerful that, and, and what they are doing. Uh, so you have, again, the South-North Division, that's the main. So that's another, you know, the future is, is you can't tell what will happen if the United if Texas break away from the United States things first of all the United States will be weaker it loses 25 million people and it loses a lot of a lot of things but it's also it will uh, it will break it will begin the breakup another hope uh, it's not a hope but if the economy a lot of people and I'm not qualified 
to say, but a lot of people are saying that we are the economy, people like Michael Hudson and other people are saying the economy is not in a healthy condition. We have uh, officially $31 trillion debt, but really it's more than $200 trillion. This is not sustainable. Uh, um, the American empire depends on two things, uh, mainly the U.S. dollar and the military. Well, the military, because of corruption, is not as strong as it used to be. Uh, it's really, I mean, we are spending, just look at it. We are spending, I think, 15 times more than the Russians do. But yet the Russians have, are, are in the forefront of military technology, hypersonic missiles. They have it. The Americans, even though they spend 15 times, why? Because of corruption. Uh, the military-industrial complex is totally corrupt. Congress is totally corrupt. It's all corruption. So we spend 15 times more than Russia, and we now, for example, the crisis in Ukraine, we cannot match. We are running out. I mean, not only the United States. The entire West is running out of ammunition to give uh, uh, according to Scott Riddle and uh, Colonel uh, 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 Douglas Gregor, they're running out, out of ammunition. I mean, how is it possible? You spend it's incredible. So they are, spend eight hundred billion dollars a year, and you're running out of ammunition. How does that work? How does it work? <clears throat> exactly. How does it work? It works. There's the only one explanation: is corruption, because the whole system uh, in Russia and China, it's controlled. Uh, most of the companies are controlled by the state, uh, so the, the Less likelihood. I'm not saying of course there's corruption, but how is it possible that the United States could not could not vanquish Russia, which has half the population, which has been in terrible straits during the uh, 1990s? Uh, how is it possible that? So my point is that the United States is the the oligarchs. They control the the United States. Are, are planting the seeds of their own destruction. At least that's my hope. With all that corruption, with antagonizing American people, with impoverishing them, with poisoning them, there might come a time where they would, the American people, the British people, whoever it is, will say, basta, we, no more. We are going to fight back. I mean, it's just things are not good. It's not good. So people, I hope uh, people are aware of all the information that you put out for free. People can get this book, Encyclopedia of Domestic Assassinations, because if you uh, resist this kind of uh, oppressive, tyrannical government, you could be in deep trouble. So, uh, Modi, is there anything you'd like to add before we, we wrap up? I know your website is Dr. Nasani.net, right? So people can get both of your books there, right? Absolutely, and in other places as well. No, I have nothing to add. We had a very, I wanted just to thank you. It was a very enjoyable uh, chat. Uh, I don't get to do stuff like that very often, so I'm very, very grateful to you. Awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time, your knowledge, and I appreciate you for writing these two books so people can check them out again. This one is Encyclopedia of Domestic Assassinations. And then last month, we did 8 Billion Cheers for Direct Democracy. So 
people check these out. And the author, again, is Dr. Moti Nassani, N-I-S-S-A-N-I. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, and bye-bye. Bye-bye.